Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, I'm Stephanie March. And we are here, and you are there, and it is a fantastic Weekly Dish Saturday. Woo-hoo! Welcome back after being Thank gone you. for three weeks. You're so excited to be fresh back. from your trip, I think, really. Yes, I yeah. do feel refreshed. Do you feel refreshed? I do. I was able to do one podcast on the road. I brought all my equipment, which was kind of funny. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to it, it is kind of entertaining. My uncle was so excited. Like, he felt like he was a celebrity. So that made me laugh. That's good. 72-year-old man, just so excited to talk about wine and food. And um, it was really, it was a great trip. Uh, people have been um, asking me about it, so we'll talk about it a little bit in the next break. We will. We will. You have a whole lovely segment I do. centered just on that. Hey, listen, I was on the Twitters last night. <laughs> As one like does. sometimes you are. As one does, like late before bed. And um, I was kind of running through some fun stuff, and I found this tweet. And I just I th- scrolled through the thread, and even this morning, I kind of jumped back in with it. And it was just so funny to me. Because, you know, I always talk about the Minnesota card like we all have a Minnesota card and I'm actually going to get one made I swear to God I'm going to do it in which we all have you know things that make us so very very Minnesotan Um, this was a great tweet from a man named Kevin Gallatin and it was uh, uh, something that I put on our Facebook page so you could weigh in too but his tweet was destroy your Minnesota credibility in one tweet I'll go first I've never been to the Boundary Waters so (laughs) I thought it was great and mine I put mine on there too which is of course I will eat the last bite. Like it's sitting. I will not cut it in more, more, more times. That last donut. I'm just gonna eat it. That someone asked me yesterday what your like tagline would be, and I think that's could be your tagline. I would eat the last. I would bite. eat the last bite. Mine is. Did I say that? Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that is 100 percent perfect. And someone else was. Um, are you going to eat that? Are you going to eat that? <laughs> Maybe that's Stephanie a Hansen. question for Did later. Did I really say that? Yeah, because I do feel like, yeah. and it's not like a, a Sunday morning after having a few conversations. That's like my daily, someone will tell me something I said, and I'm like, oh my gosh, should I but say so that? But so the Minnesota card, it's important, yeah. because this is about the things that we all sort of agree on, that we all agree that we are in this together and so these are the things that like you kind of ruin your credibility by the fact that Deb she can zipper merge <laughs> that's a really which funny is amazing one. uh Laura has never had cheese curds I mean okay Diane wow. she said I'll have a soda please <laughs> and not a pop <laughs> yep okay and here's here's the hardest one Brenda she says duck duck goose Okay, she's Dude, got a shirt for that. I don't know. There's a lot of people who are want to have her, you know, revoked her, her, you know, all the things. So anyway, there's a lot of great fun things on here, like um, fishing is dumb, <laughs> and then of course the inevitable. I'm surprised it took like ten down, but I hate the Minnesota State Fair. <laughs> Oh, that's Which just is, like sacrilege. That's what I'm saying. I think this is so great because this is truly, you know, the things that we all think that we agree with on each other. And then you have the outliers. I love it. I hate swimming in lakes. I don't care about cabins. <laughs> I don't care about cabins. Is a good oh, my one. God. I have never once smiled at other drivers and waved them on through when it was clearly my turn to go at a four way stop for my friend Jane. Oh, wow. my God. So good. So anyway, it's over on the Facebook. You guys got to weigh in and let us know what is the most un-Minnesota thing that you have sort of been holding on to that maybe it makes you a little bit. It's it it, it, it would revoke your Minnesota card. Do you so. have one? Mine is that I'll eat the last bite. Oh, okay. You know, but I mean, I would also say that, 
I mean, I think my rhubarb, my sort of in, you know, I don't really care about rhubarb. I think that's a thing. Wait a second. You yeah. don't? No, we've talked about this. In fact, I, you know, I can't remember what I ate for breakfast. This is so true. if I repeat myself, that's why. Right. Um, yeah, more of the fact that I just have an indifference and I keep trying the whole syrups, the rhubarb syrups. Yeah, things. you made the syrup I stuff. know, I am trying, but I'm sort of still indifferent. Like, I could let that patch grow and never harvest it, ever. That's why I <sighs> gave it to you. Because I was like, that's fine. I actually have a whole... So, I don't have a patch at home anymore, which is, you gave me some, so yeah. I'm thrilled because I've been drinking that. And then I have a whole patch up north waiting for me that's almost ready to bolt. So I'm like, Kurt, cut off the big white flower. Save it. I'll be up there this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I think that what's your, what's your Minnesota thing? Your anti or your cred loser. Um, you have to think about it. I, well, I've never been to a twins game. That's a pretty good one. And I could could really care care less less about all of the sporting people. All the Vikings and everything else. all of it. Yeah. "Hmm, If Mm -hmm. there's food that's good at the stadium, I'll go. But (laughs) I like this one that's sort of, but I mean, that's kind of sportsy. You know, if you're not a sports person, you're not a sports person. But like uniquely Minnesota, I kind of love this thing too. I've never had lefsa and I don't want to. I've never had, um, what's the slimy fish stuff? Oh, lutefisk. Yeah, never had that. Yeah, that one is not as much. I feel like that's a thing that like, that's like our old generations. Yeah. It's so hard to get it and actually like have it prepared correctly for you. I mean, I know that Ingebrigtsen has it. Trust me. I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. There's a I'm lot a of quick good buyer out the door. <laughs> you don't do the long Minnesota the goodbye. Long, the three hour. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. So many. Long I, I just, if I was being completely honest, yeah. I am a Minnesotan through and through. I am the long goodbye. I do the finger. I won't eat the last bite. You yeah. know, the finger wave yeah, from, yeah. The, from the car. Yep. Um, I haven't technically been to the Boundary Waters because I'm sort of cabin. Well, My you're Ely right adjacent. <laughs> yeah, you're Ely, you're Ely adjacent. You like camping? How do you feel about camping? Becky says she doesn't like camping. That wrecks her. Okay, this Bob could Dylan? be the thing for me <laughs> because I've never actually slept in a tent. That's I've a big camped. one. I've been in a car camping, but I've never like slept in a tent in a campground on the ground. How about in the backyard when you were a kid? No. Oh my god. Really? No. Never? No. God, there was entire like weeks where we just had a tent in the backyard and that's where you slept. You know, my sisters did that. Yeah. And it and like there'd be just weeks where we felt like we didn't even see them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody right? cared. We had a whole like apartment as a kid yeah, in the totally, backyard. With the flashlights. Yeah. And somehow lights. in some way we figured out how to get the TV out there with like an extension cord. We made a but we made a cave we made a tent out of our trampoline when I was a kid. So we had the trampoline yeah. and we put like blankets and tarps over it and then our tent was underneath it and that's where we lived for like a week. That sounds real fun. It was amazing. <laughs> And that you're like mom and dad were just like, bye. There was a time in high school where I remember like after school happened, you know, it was like it was school's out and it was high school. But and then I was I went over to a friend's house and then I went on the lake and then I slept over at another friend's house and then we camped outside. And then all of a sudden my mom was like, you know, it's been three days. Are you are you alive? (laughs) 
because there were no cell phones no. back then. So like I would call and leave a message or whatever, but I kind of didn't. But that was so the way that we were. And I came home and I had put sun in in my hair. So I had orange head. And all of a sudden she's like, I don't even know who you are anymore. You're the rebellious yeah. high school kid. That was that. Those were the days, though. I know. When you'd go after school no and you'd play kick you. the can. Yeah. And, no, and you'd oh. come home like after dark. Yeah. And you're, my, there were literally days my mom would be like, where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> and there would be, I've been gone the entire day. I love that. Uh, I was a free range child. I was a free range child, which is also why it freaked people out where I was like, I don't know, my kid's somewhere in the grocery store. I I mean, I know he's here at the children's theater going to school, pretending like I was a thespian. And literally one of the things we did was we went to the local church and stole the wheelchair and we were (laughs) pretending to be handicapped people. (laughs) But we didn't, we weren't like, we were trying to do it as like a, theater thing like yes. what would this feel like yeah, if this was your life right right but and really then, you were probably just doing popping wheelies and chasing yeah things. and then yeah. i was like okay we probably need to bring that wheelchair back someone's gonna need it yeah i know oh my god <laughs> that's what i was doing in the eighth grade i had one time i think 200 bracelets up my arm past oh, my yeah. elbow joint yeah i was full on madonna grungy i'm gonna be a um, theater kid yeah you know what we should do because you know July 4th, Stranger Things is coming out. Yes. And it's all 1985. They're at the mall. The whole thing takes place at the mall. If you haven't watched any of the trailers, if you haven't watched Stranger Things, the trailers look good. Start now. Like, get in, lose the next couple weeks, do season one, do season two, and just jump in because it's so good. Um, anyway, the trailers look amazing and it's all about the mall. Nike has issued, like, reissued the trailblazer, you know, the shoes that we used to wear back then huh. in, you know, Hawkins High colors. <laughs> And and I think Burger King is actually doing like some retro '80s stuff to kind of coincide oh, with yeah. the release. I see the I see the Nike Trailblazer shoe. The Trail Winds. Remember, I had the Trail Winds. I loved them. They come on a high top too. They're kind of cute. Those were I jammed those high tops. Seriously, real cute. I totally love those. Anyway, I think we should do a Foods of the '80s segment when we get yeah, close to it because of all the things to remembering that you used to eat. I have like two things at the top of my list. Okay. Yeah, You're going to hold it. it. Let's hold it. Well, I don't want to give away the mojo. Right. right. We, we only have so much mojo. <laughs> we do have a good show for you we today. Where we actually are going to talk about food, I swear. I know. Um, just want to remind you that it is El Burrito's 40th anniversary month starting in July. They're a sponsor of the show. They've been in business 40 years. Their mom came over from Mexico and couldn't find the goods that she wanted in the store. So she started importing them. Yep. There's going to be all kinds of events that are happening throughout the month of July. So thank you to them. And when we come back... I'm going to talk about my trip a little bit because there's been a lot of people asking me about it. It was pretty fun. And I'll share that when we come back on The Weekly Dish presented by El Burrito Mercado. And welcome back to The Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, Steph March over here. And we are here. So before, um, okay, so I was gone the last couple of weeks. Okay, so, okay. (laughs) So it's gone. So it's gone. So what I did was I started out and I went to Paris and I was there for, I think, three days with my uncle, who really kind of knows Paris pretty well because he used to work over there. So we went to um, this very famous restaurant, and I can't remember the name of it, but we started out <laughs> and we had this. Yeah, that's how this so is going to go. So this recap is going to be awesome. Really on point. But if you want to know, you can always email me because I true. have pictures of the names this, of the right. menus and everything. Right. Okay. Um, but <laughs> the first night we go and... We get like this beautiful bottle of wine and he knows about wine too. So that was pretty fun. I drank so much wine. Literally one day my liver hurt and I had to just pound water for the day. Wow. Yeah. 
I know. That's not probably good, but we'll talk about sober drinking in the next segment. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's a reaction to your three weeks of of vacation. Oh, probably. Yeah, absolutely. So this giant like poo-poo platter comes that's got, it's like a shellfish tower, right? Yeah. But if you get that, yeah, if you get that at Ocean Air, you kind of know what you're getting. There were things on there, Stephanie, that I had no idea what they were. Nice. One was razor clams. Yeah, you can they're get these, those. They're these long, like it's like a clam, but it's a long tube-like thing yeah. instead of a circle. Yeah. So that was pretty weird. Yum. Then I had um, Welks and Winkies. Yes, you did. Have you ever had Welks? Yes. They're like raw, they're raw snails inside the shell that you take out and they're technically still alive, I guess, when you eat them. Mm, I don't know about that. But well, maybe it is, maybe over there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. They, okay. I think, were alive because I was pulling them out of the shell and they were cold. Yeah, I mean, you can be you can be cooked in the shell and then be chilled in the shell. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't even know. But they were like chewy erasers, but they had the briny taste of the sea. Yeah. They were actually quite delicious, mm-hmm. but they were big. They kind of grossed Kurt out because it was like a real mouthful of, of this thing. Mm-hmm. And then they had the Winkles, which were these really cute little snails that you pulled out. And I know these were alive. Because you they, saw them move? Yes. And you would like put this little pin, pin in there and pull it out and eat that. But I mean, you could eat 500 of those and never feel like you ate anything. Right. It's kind of like, yeah, crawfish. <laughs> and it was sort of, yeah, it was sort of like eating a garnish almost. Yeah, yeah. But so that was pretty interesting. And just the, um, the how they presented the platter, like Kurt was like, do you have any cocktail sauce? They're like, uh, no, we have minuet, which yes, is. Yes, mignonette. Yes. The vinegar, red yes. wine vinegar oh, and the onions. Shallots yes. and beautifulness. So that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, cocktail sauce. No. <laughs> no cocktail That's a little sauce. too thick for you, American. From there, we went to the south of France and we rented a canal yes, boat. Just so you know, you can get those foods at the in the shellfish showers at Octo Fish Bar. Okay. Because we were eating some of those at the other night from there. So okay. Like, I mean, not the live snails, the welts, but for sure razor clams yeah. and stuff. So. Okay, I'm going to okay, check go that out because I had a lot of razor clams and I liked them. Yeah. Um, then we got to the south of France and we got on this houseboat. And the first thing they tell you is uh, to buy some gloves. I was like, okay. And they give you the whole, like, we're ecological and don't use the soap for the water. And I'm used to that from being sailing in the ocean. Yeah. But what then they tell you is that they dump the sewage from the boats into the canal. (laughs) So So it's poop water. So So I knew you couldn't swim in it, but I'm on the poop water for seven days. Wow. And it doesn't, it's brown, but it's also a mud-based bottom. Yeah. But it was real weird. And I was like, okay, this is really kind of ruin it for me because... Wait, when, when you're on a boat in the ocean, you don't do that? or Well, th- yes, they do, but... And I know an ocean is different than a river. I know this. I'm just saying... they. D- okay, I don't know the so tech. the big cruise ships do, but the sailboats don't. They oh. pump them out at the individual stations. Oh, okay. That's what I don't know. So anyway, that was weird. And that I had to wear gloves that every time a rope fell in the water and you don't have time to oh, think I about see, it. But that's, that's what that's you're about. pulling all these ropes because you're going into these locks with this giant boat. Yeah. And there's three people in a lock and the water goes down yeah. and they let you out and you sail out. But you have to secure your boat in there. We had a lot of funny times where the rope would get loose and the boat is moving around in the lock. And what you don't realize is when the lock, when they open and the water starts coming in to rise, it's like water rushing in, and so you're trying to hold that boat from getting loose inside the lock and banging against the other boats. Mm-hmm. 
that was a lot of work. Oh, wow. Too much work. Too much work. I One day we did 12 locks. I was like, I am oh. sick of this. This is too much work. My arm is hurting. Yeah. I'm grabbing poop water, ropes. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, the idea of this, though, going into the south of France and going from town to town, fantastic. <laughs> I had a bike. And after being on the boat for two days and feeling like all I'd done was eat and drink, and I That's was it. literally so full, my liver hurt. Mm-hmm. I was like, can I just ride my bike alongside you? Because I could go faster than the boat could go. Mm-hmm. One day I rode 16 miles oh on a one-speed bike, just along the riverfront. Yes. It was awesome. I would open the locks yep. to get them all ready for the boat to come in. So I saved us about 20. Because going through a lock. You have to do it? Oh, and some of them, they self-service. Yeah. Wow. And at one of them, we had to wait two hours to even get in because there's a line of boats. And this is the non-busy season. I cannot imagine what it would be like in the busy season. In August. And why people do this, really. Because you can go from town to town. It's like seven miles. People are riding their bikes with their tents and they're like, that would be amazing to yeah. just, Bike. there's in all these little towns, there's these little places to sleep. Yeah. There's Camping little restaurants. in Europe is real. It's yes. so much better than in. So I just, for the last four days, I just rode my bike all day <laughs> from lock to lock. The freesia was blooming. The being in the vineyards, like I'm literally riding my bike through these vineyards. Oh, God. Just the little towns. It was heaven. That part was heaven. So go to the south of France. Just don't do the canal boat in the poop water. Okay. Um, My uncle is a three squares guy. Breakfast he would have. Oh. Lunch would be a three course meal. Dinner would be a three course meal. Where's your uncle from? Wisconsin. Okay. He's strangely cultured. Okay. (laughs) I was just thinking like, is he from France? Is there something that there is like this? Why? Okay. He did business there. So he traveled around. Okay. But we were drinking just like the most amazing wines and they were pretty inexpensive. We went to a wine tasting at the um, at one of these vineyards and learned all about the wine. You know, the Domaine Lorac that I love so much. Yeah. I was literally at a vineyard that produces grapes for them. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. That's very cool. I'm way more feeling comfortable about going into a liquor store and looking at French wines. Okay, And they're so much more natural. They don't have as many sulfites. They have way more rules about what can be in the wine and the regions where the wine can be from. Mm -hmm. So I feel a lot more comfortable drinking both Spanish and French wines. So I'm excited about that. So that's the south of France. Just tons of eating and Mm -hmm. it's delicious and it's awesome. But one day I just had to eat pizza. I was like, is there anywhere I could just like get a pizza? pizza. Because I just wanted to not have a three course meal once. Yeah. Um, Then we go to Spain. If you, Barcelona is high, like Vancouver is probably one of my favorite cities. Barcelona is a solid second. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. You go to Lo Bocaria? Yes. Yes. And we tried to go to, everyone was telling us to go to, um, our friend Beth wanted us to go to this place, but it was closed. Just going to the markets. We took a paella class. That was really fun to mm-hmm. literally learn how they do it. And I knew how to make paella, but it was fun to see how they do it. The sangria making was really fun. Um, just the architecture there. The eating in Barcelona is fantastic. Yeah. And it's a lot more accessible feeling than France mm-hmm. because the language is easier to sort of fumble your way through. There are cabs everywhere. They don't have Uber there. So 1,500 cabs. Every restaurant you walk out of, they're going to take you to your destination. Yeah. My highlight of there was we went to the place that um, Ibuli, is it Adrian Farrar's brother? Mm-hmm. We went to his tapas restaurant and... To be in like a super 
um, fine dining experience like that, but with tapas mm-hmm. was fantastic. How'd you feel about the eating so late at night? Because you don't really start dinner until midnight. We were always the first people in a restaurant. You were like at 10 p.m. You're like, <laughs> we need to eat now. And yeah, they're, like, we were like, they're like, you are so early. So we were 745ers. What? You I was can't do the that. latest I stayed out was midnight. And I know, like, the streets were just coming alive. Yeah, but no. Yeah, we, but my aunts and uncle are 72. So, okay. you know. Yeah. It was it was just fantastic. I would it's highly good. recommend Barcelona. The fast trains are amazing. You can get somewhere in like an hour. There's beaches. That was cool. We spent a whole day on the beach just eating seafood. Yeah. Which was also crazy. Fun. Right. And just clean for a big city like that. Clean. The gelato was great. Highly recommended. Good. So good. Yeah. There you go. That is just my quick recap. But if you have any other specific questions, a lot of people have asked me about the Paya class. I can send you a link to where we went. Um, So that's it. Travel if you can. You can even do it really quite on the cheap. I saw a lot of people that just had their tents and the airfares can be cheap in the summer if you plan well. So if you can travel. Affordable. Good. Uh, It's the Weekly Dish. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday. Hey, listen, here's the thing. People love to drink beer, right? And we all know that beer is a lot of water and wheat and barley and things that go in it. And we're all fascinated with new styles. But I think that one thing that we that we don't think about is I think you don't really think about the hops and the agricultural benefit of growing hops in Minnesota. And I ran into Eric Sanarud, who is online with us. Eric, are you there? Yes. Hey, hey, welcome. Good morning. You and I had a great conversation super early one morning at a brewery while Tony Zaccardi was trying to brew some beer, which was hysterical. And we'll talk about that later. Um, But, you know, it was it's funny because I've known that Mighty Axe Hops is a local hop grower and you guys are. But I don't think of you as farmers. Isn't that funny? Like I because I think of you as like a beer guy, not a farm guy. But really, you're a farm guy, aren't you? Yeah, we're we're a farm. We certainly don't. Brew, you know, sometimes we hang out at breweries. Yeah. <laughs> We're farmers. You're farmers. So tell us a little bit of what that means to be a hop farmer in Minnesota. Hop farming in Minnesota is a kind of a pioneering uh, experience. No one really <laughs> knows how it's going to work here. You know, we just, we all know that we have very um, weird seasons and inconsistent springs. And that's, yeah, that is like a thing that, so hops are grown all what, over the yeah, country. Explain yep, so hops, how it looks. So like, hops is it are corny? Grown, is it what? It, like, how does, what does hops look like? Does it grow on a vine? Is it a stalk? Is it a plant? What is it? It, it sounds like you were just in France. It looks like vineyards. Yeah. Um, but very tall, like 18 foot tall vineyards with big waves, uh, walls of green hops. They're a vine. They grow up. That's okay. Cool. And they're these hops are these little like kind of are they a cone are they a flower the the actual hop product that you grow? Yeah, botanically they're a flower, but they look a lot like a pine cone, so that's why people will call them cones. Yeah, so basically hops are grown all over the country, or they're grown mostly in the West, I believe. But but so growing yeah. hops here, as much as we are this agricultural sort of landscape, it's kind of it's a tough it's it's a little bit tougher than you'd think. Talk a little bit about what that means to be a hop farmer from here. It's really unique to be growing hops here, you know, the outside of the different climate that we have than the Pacific Northwest. We we also have to deal with access to different varieties. There are protected varieties that are only allowed to be grown by folks out west. Mm-hmm. And so anyone not growing there, like us here in Minnesota, we're kind of playing with a, um, you know, a stacked deck or the deck stacked against us or uh, not all the crayons in the box or yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever analogy. Whatever you euphemism want. you want to use, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, but the thing about it being 
there's sort of this idea that, you know, craft beer has been booming, right? And everybody is doing craft beer. So, of course, and there's along the lines of like local is so important and also, you know, trying to source so many things from here. And you're, and the thing is, you have how many acres of your farm? We have 80 acres of hops, which makes us the largest from Michigan to Idaho. Are hops perennial? They are perennial. Yeah, they're perennial. So they come back every year if the growing season works. They come back every single year. Yep. That's fantastic. Who knew that? <laughs> Hop farmers <laughs> like it. So, but the idea that you're an 80 acre farm and you're the biggest in the area, how does that compare to other farms, you know, out west? Well, we're really big for here, but we're tiny for the average size in America. Out west farms are about 800 acres, which. You know, I can tell you that 80 acres looks fantastic. I can't imagine what 800 acres of hops, just hops, looks like. Does um, it smell? But yeah, we're very small for the nation. <laughs> Does, Does it, it smell? No, they they smell really good. They smell, they smell like, like hops. The they smell like beer, beer in my mind. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm wondering. Like, so do you walk yeah. out the door and it smells like beery, yeasty yum? Uh, well, of course, there's no yeast around or malt, just the hop side of it. And um, you usually got to get up close and rub rub and crush the flowers because the flowers, that piece of the flower that produces the smell is protected inside the cone. Yum. Yeah. You got to open it up. So what are the challenges that you guys are facing as far as, you know, supplying the local beer community? And why are you doing this if it's so (laughs) risky? (laughs) (laughs) It is very risky and we're doing it because we love hops and we love uh, local. We want to be growing the best hops possible, really showing off what's possible, growing hops here in this unique environment and providing those to customers, brewers and drinkers in our state. Um, So are you sold out? We are not sold out. We have hops for sale right now. Um, And there'll be more hops for sale come this harvest. So this will be the largest hop harvest in the history of the state. Great. This uh, harvest happens around the state fair. So. And a lot of fun. how many brewers in town do you supply? Like what percentage would you say? I don't know what percentage, but you know, 30 to 40 brewers. Um, some of whom work with us a lot more closely. Some people might buy, you know, 20 pounds. Other people might buy thousands of pounds. Um, but we work with anyone who, who's interested and we've been growing our customer base quite a bit this year. When you harvest it, is it like in a hay bale? Oh, good question. It is actually baled, um, but we, we, we have this whole fancy harvest harvesting facility at our farm where we pick them and we dry them and we pellet them. That's how brewers use yeah. hops. Okay. A little pellet looks like it looks like rabbit food. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So let's talk about the terroir aspect of it, though, because, you know, growing hops here versus growing hops out west, there's got to be a difference, right? There's an enormous difference, and I think that's where... The, it goes from just being like, you know, local brewers supporting a local farm mm-hmm. to brewers having access to, you know, unique and interesting characteristic of a hop that, you know, is, they can't get anywhere else. And that's where I think the real power lies in hops being grown in Minnesota. It's not just about the local. It's about the unique characteristic of hops grown here. Right. Will more people get into growing hops, do you think, with the demand for craft beer being so high? I'm not sure yet. I think I think what a lot of people I talk to a lot of folks who want to start growing hops, and I think what a lot of what a lot of us are all waiting for is um, some more clear signs from the brewing industry here that they're willing to put their money behind the local promise. Um, 
It's true. Our hops cost more than when they're grown out west. Mm-hmm. But I'm a you know I'm a mom and pop family farm with 80 acres, not some huge thing somewhere with thousands. Is is there a beer that's brewed with your hops that you like or that you could recommend? <laughs> well, I do like like all of them a lot. Um, <laughs> it's like saying which child do you like best? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's hard. I, I, there's a couple that I would highlight that just came out. There's this one called Terroir IPA yeah. that just came out at Dangerous Man Brewing that's really leaning into that idea of terroir. And just yesterday I was down in Lakeville at Angry Ench Brewing and had their Happy Juice, which is um, a Cascade Hazy IPA, um, but it's our Cascade, and oh. it really doesn't have the flavor you'd expect. You know, West Coast Cascades are what you think, like piney, mm-hmm. grapefruity. But Minnesota Cascades are sweet and orange, like kind of like biting through like a real juicy ripe orange. It really shows off well in that beer from Angry Inch. Oh, that's so great. So there's, and just so you know, on their, the Mighty Axe they do have a section, you know, called Drink Hops, and it, it talks about all the beers that they are using their hops. So not only can you see that Terra IPA, but, you know, there's Dual Citizen Brewery across the street from us here at the station that has it. You know, there's, you know, Urban yeah, Growler, Black Sack Brewing. That's a traditional, yeah. So that's kind of fun. A bunch of them. Um, yeah, what do you, as far as it goes for home brewers, I know that you have, because this is, you know, the bigger thing is obviously the big breweries who are doing production brewing, but do you guys, you know, work with home brewers too? We're really excited. We are about to work with home brewers. Um, folks in our Mighty Axe home brewer group get access on Monday, but oh. the world will have access to Minnesota grown uh, hops on Thursday. The uh, Northern Brewer and Midwest Supplies in store and online. And this is, this is something that I've been looking forward to for a really, really long time. Like yeah. the opportunity to make our hops available to home brewers everywhere. Um, and I'm just so excited for that. Where's the information for that? Is that on your Facebook page or is that on, is it on, on, on just your website media, page? It's on Facebook. The, uh, the website has a, has, a, has a blog post where folks could sign up for the early access. Otherwise, of course, next week, We'll plaster it all over the internet. Okay, good. What happens to the hops in the winter? Do they die down to the ground and then you just have your winter and then they start growing again? You're exactly right. <laughs> yeah, they just, there's not like a tree. You know, they're not like <laughs> no. a, even like a woody vine. They're yeah. all the way to the ground and then all the way back up every year. Okay, so what do you do in the winter? Uh, people think like, oh, farmers, you know, they get the winters off, but. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know many farmers to get the winter yeah, off. For exactly. us, it's a lot of it's a lot of sales. It's a lot of planning. It's that is when you get to take your one vacation for the year. Yeah, you know, I got married this winter. Woo! <laughs> well, this winter. Yeah, farming is. I just I have so much respect. It's so hard. I know, and it's so technical, and so much work goes into these family farms. People have no idea. I think it's also fun though the fact that you're going to have all these home brewers now who can use your product and give you feedback because Lord knows a home brewer. Loves to give feedback more than anything and get so feedback too. But that community, I think, is going to be fun for you to have as a new base and just kind of, you know, really kind of work within to kind of, I don't know. I think that's a good, those are good acolytes for yeah. you guys. I'm really excited. Like today's homebrewers are not the like, they're, they're very advanced yeah. brewers. They are essentially brewing craft beer with custom rigs that they've built in their garages or whatever and have really deep understanding of what it is that they're doing. And I'm really excited to like give them this extra tool of you know unique hops with a certain terroir or appellation, however you want to say it, and like introduce them to that and see what they're able to create. Good. 
All right, we are going to put a link up to the Mighty Hops, Mighty Axe Hops page on our Facebook page. And if you know a home brewer, you want to get them signed up for early access to this because this is a great program. Eric, thank you for joining us. It was fantastic to learn about hops. Thank you both so much, and we'll we'll have a beer sometime. Yeah, we'll be right back. All right, we are at the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, 651-641-1071. I'd love you to call in and ask your questions live on the air, 651-641-1071. If you want to know where your favorite beer is, if you want to know what Stephanie ate for dinner last night, if you want to know (laughs) your favorite potluck, or you want to comment on how your Minnesota card is going to get revoked, Mm -hmm. we always love talking to you guys 651-641-1071. There's lots of ways you can access us. You can find us at our Facebook page at MyTalk1071. You can find us on Instagram at Stephanie March or at Stephanie's Dish. You can find us on Twitter at Steph March at Stephanie's Dish. You can find us on Facebook. We have the Weekly Dish Facebook page. And we always love talking to you. 651-641-1071. We just uh, found out about hops. That was fantastic. Yeah, and there's and literally, you guys, if you have a home brewer, giving them the gift of Minnesota locally grown hops will be a game changer for them. Yeah, I love that's that. That's a idea. whole nother way of experiencing the beautiful terroir of our lovely state. So. I think we have uh, Brian on the line. Hi, Brian. How you doing? Good. I'm great. How was everybody there? Great. So good. Okay, uh, you buried the lead. State Fair Foods. <laughs> we, you know why? We haven't talked about it yet. Well, we haven't talked about it yet. We have um, radio station. Dare is number one. Blueberry key lime pie. Well, I'm sorry. I missed. We missed what you said. Dare is Dara, DMG. Yeah. Dara Mosk, Moskovich. Yeah. Grundle, yep. Blueberry key lime pie. Yeah. She just said. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we haven't tried anything yet, so we're kind of just well, pre-gaming it's our stuff. Potential. Yeah. Um, there's a couple things I would say about that. Number one, if you want to hear more about that, we do a state fair podcast called Podcast on a Stick, and we just launched an episode where we talked all about the 31 new fair foods. That said, we will be talking about it, obviously, on Weekly Dish as we get closer to actually eating these foods. Yeah. Um, Steph, what was your like number one thing that you were excited to try? Um, well, I kind of, it sounds really silly, but I think it was like the, uh, the hot hen, the nachos from RBC from, or RC's barbecue. That sounded really good to me. And you were excited about the dilly pickle? Oh, the dilly dog, right? The pickle with the, with the, uh, bratwurst in the middle of it and then deep fried like a corn dog. Those are my two hot ones. I wanted to try the shrimp fritters. I'm excited about that with the cryberry Craig's hot sauce. Yeah. How about you, Brian? Are you excited uh, about, you're excited about the pie? I I don't really do all the new foods. I've got my regulars, and uh, so I don't really go to all. I, I go there a lot, but I don't really do all the new foods. I've got friends who are crazy about new stuff. Yeah. So, what's your favorite classic, Brian? The wild the wild rice specialties cheeseburger. Oh, okay. That's a good one. I'll need to check that one out. I've never had that. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. We are on to. Becky. Hi, Becky. Yes. Hi, what's up today, Becky? Hi. I uh, love your show. Thanks. First of all, and I have a question about the cherry bitters that Stephanie talked about um, the other day on Lori and Julia. Yeah, the bitter cube cherry vanilla bitters. Bitter cube? Yep. Oh, okay. It sounded (laughs) great. Yeah, you can find them at lots of liquor stores. I know they have that at Certix because I just saw it. Oh, okay, great. Thanks, Becky. Yep. Uh, hi, Mary. How you doing? You're on to uh, Ask Stephanie at the Weekly Dish. How's it going, Mary? 
Good. Love you both. Thanks. Question for you about knives, just in terms of sharpening knives, mm-hmm. re-edging them. What do you do personally, and any suggestions if you take them somewhere? Yeah, the the best place that I find is to go to Eversharp, yes, which is 100%. northeast Minneapolis, right across from the Norseman Distillery, which happens to work out. Um, and then if, I, but mostly I have a, I mean, I have a, a stone that I use just on my own. Um, that I, I'm like making the hand motions. Uh, that I, I just buy, I have two things. I actually have a stone and, and then I have a, a blade. Or what are those called? Oh my God, I just lost the whole thing. A stone like and a, the like long, a spear. I know. Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, okay. I know. <laughs> I know. I can't think it of looks like what a sword. It either, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. All a right. saber, a sharpening saber. Yeah, uh, that thing. But Mary, okay. that Ever Sharp does a great job. And they often have deals where you just bring your stuff in and, uh, you know, you can just easily, it's like, you know, like a buck or something like that. Ridiculous. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you Thanks, very Mary. much. Thanks, Mary. And we are on to Lily with her question for the Ask Stephanie's. Hi, Lily. Hi. What can we do for you today? Long time listener, first time caller. Oh, well oh. done, you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, summer's coming back next week. What's your favorite ice cream play? Oh, I'm actually working on a piece about ice cream. So that's excellent. I have two. I really like the soft serve at Minnesota nice cream. Okay. And then if I'm going to eat like hard ice cream, I'm going to go to Izzy's because I am close to the one in St. Paul and I'm always looking for a black licorice ice cream. Bridgman's has it sometimes too. Yeah. Bridgman's is key. I think for me, it would be either milk jam because I love the creative stuff and the craziness of it all. Um, or if I'm going to be honest about like when I eat ice cream and how I eat ice cream, it's a late summer night thing. And I go to an Excelsior. There's a little shop called Licks Unlimited. And we literally just drive there before they close and get in line and get a good scoop. Nice. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling, Lil. All right. Uh, Rebecca is on the line. Hi, Rebecca. Hey, girls. Welcome back, Steph. Thanks. Hey, um, Steph, Mark, you recommended uh, Louise for tonight for dinner. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Super excited. Good. Um, But the concert gets over, I'm going to say 10. Okay. Um, Where's there a good place in St. Paul to go after a concert just for a quick bite? Parlor Bar. Oh, yeah. Parlor Bar on West 7th. They have a fantastic burger, boozy milkshakes. It's yeah, super pop fun. down there for a drink. That's a good one. Okay. Are you going to have drinks at Louis or eat? Um. Well, just eating. Uh, we have to. We have reservations at like four thirty, and we have to be buns in the seat by seven. Yeah. Okay. I want you to eat the um, chipino. Okay. It's fantastic, and really? if you love seafood, there's like a ton of seafood in it. It's actually enough for two. And I would get like a little side salad, get the chipino. The broth is fantastic. The seafood is really great. Kurt and I love to split that. And you won't be so full when you get to the show so that you yeah, can have a their, burger their at their 10. The menu looked really like deep fried food heavy when I looked at it online. Yeah. Yeah. Have the chipino. It's okay. great. Awesome. All right. Thank you, girls. Okay. Have fun. Now, Steph, I have a quick question that I'm going to read to you and we'll carry it over into the next segment because okay. I feel like we We're need fine. to discuss this. We're okay. Hello, my whiskey drinking friends. I have a question for you. We were at a restaurant and I was doing a Moscow mule and my husband and dad were having a Jack Daniels on the rocks. Later that night when we got home, my husband pointed out that the whiskey was $7 and uh, there was a $1 per drink fee for ice. 
Is this common? We haven't been anywhere where this has happened. It wasn't special ice in any way, shape, clarity, or form. Just plain ice that was also in the ice water glasses. I thought I'd ask you, the experts, on knowing what is happening. So this is not a thing. I mean, like, don't worry about that. It wasn't really ice. It was probably, it said rocks. And so she thought it was being charged for ice. It's just the style of drink. So, like, when you get a martini, you would have said martini. So it said whiskey rocks. And there was a dollar. This whiskey was seven. And then the rocks is the form of the Got cocktail. It. So it was the way it was itemized on the yes, check. Yes, it has nothing to do with actually charging for ice that was also in your water and also in your soda pop. It was just the style of drink when you say rocks. So, like, the whiskey may be seven bucks, but like a vodka may be three bucks or gin yep. maybe six. And so then the rocks is the form of the drink. Okay. the I did take this a step further and ask Eric Eastman about it, who is our local Minnesota ice specialist. And he said that there are some places that will charge extra for their clarity and their square cubes.